Your industry is unique. It faces its own challenges and risks that set it apart. That means choosing just any insurance company just won't cut it. At The Hartford, we take pride in knowing the ins and outs of your industry and help provide solutions that suit how you do business, from liability and property insurance to workers' comp and more. At The Hartford, we don't just talk about specialization, we live it. Learn how The Hartford can help your business at thehartford.com. Collaborate for a greener future at the Bloomberg Green Festival, a groundbreaking celebration of the thinkers, doers, and innovators leading the way. From design and culture to technology, science, and entertainment. Hear from inspirational speakers and immerse yourself in climate solutions, July 10th through 13th in Seattle. Title sponsor, Amazon. Official airline, Alaska Airlines. Get 20% off using promo code RADIO20 at BloombergLive.com slash Green Festival. Is mining really better down where it's wetter? This week on Parts Per Billion, we go under the sea to take a look at underwater mining. Is this an oceanic gold rush or an environmental catastrophe waiting to happen? Hello and welcome back once again to Parse Per Billion. I'm your host, David Schultz, and I'm back in our Arlington, Virginia studios from my recent trip to Vermont. Today, we're going to be talking about mining, but this isn't mining along the side of a mountain or anywhere else on land for that matter. This is deep sea mining, looking for valuable minerals on the bottom of the ocean floor. And this is really deep underwater. Some of the mining companies who are looking to do this want to go down to depths of three miles or more. Bloomberg Environment reporter Stephen Lee and Adam Allington recently wrote about why miners are heading out to sea and what this could mean for the environment. And we're joined by Adam here today. Thanks for being here, Adam. Happy to do it. So just really briefly, explain how deep sea mining works really quick. You know, what 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 are we doing in the ocean? Well, so it's not it isn't mining mining in the conventional sense of when you think of a mine like a big cave, you know, bored into the side of a mountain. What we're talking about on the seafloor is quite different. Um, on the one hand, it's much smaller in scale. You know, it isn't it isn't like a big hole where you're digging up lots of, of, of seafloor. Um, but on the other hand, it is, you know, it is disturbing the seafloor in one sense or another, and there are potential concerns that go along with that. But primarily, we're looking at mining uh, for three types of, of deposits. Uh, one is is called these polymetallic nodules. These po- are sorry, po- polymetallic nodules. Yeah, add that to your uh, sure to your vocabulary and bust it out at a cocktail party. Absolutely. It's um it's basically like a if you were to send a camera down deep onto the floor of um, the Western Pacific, you would probably see these, you know, these tennis ball shaped deposits of ore, black deposits of ore. That are sitting just sitting there on the sea floor, you know, millions and millions of them. And these nodules, these little balls, are often very high in in minerals, um, gold, copper, um, cobalt, uh, and you know, they're they're literally just going down to scoop those up. Now that's one kind. Do you want to know about the others? Sure. <laughs> another one is called the another one is called cobalt rich crust. So cobalt, obviously, 
Um, and these are, you know, these, these mineral-rich deposits that form on the side of these deep-sea ridges. And another is called the seafloor massive sulfide deposits. Now, these are interesting because they are deposits of minerals that are essentially right next to these uh, deep sea vents. They're often called black smokers, you know, these way down deep, these uh, these uh, volcano vents that are bubbling up into the ocean. And so there's a lot of minerals that are deposited there over time around those vents. So we're going to underground volcanoes and looking for uh, black tennis balls full of gold, essentially. That's is, that's basically this is this is a strange story. Um, what are we sending miners down there? Do we have, have people, or is this just all done by robots now? It's all uh, done by robots, um, and as you can imagine, it's not exactly as easy as it sounds to go down three miles way down underwater. It, it doesn't. I will say it doesn't sound very easy. So if it's even harder than it sounds. That's pretty bad. Yeah, so, I mean, in principle, people have been planning for this day for decades, since the 70s, basically. The government, you know, governments of the world have been setting up rules to sort of manage this industry if and when it starts. You know, people have have thought, you know, they've known these minerals were down there. They just didn't know how to get them. But eventually they people knew we would figure out a way to do it, and that's what's happening now. So the, I'm guessing, you know, based on my very basic understanding of economics that there must be some valuable stuff down there because you know usually when you see industries starting to gravitate toward pretty crazy wacky technology uh you know that means that they think there's some payout at the end so what are we talking about you already mentioned i guess gold which obviously is pretty valuable and copper and cobalt but what what else is down there and what do they want to use these minerals for well on the one hand it's these base elements as you say gold uh, copper, silver, these uh, these minerals that are used in you know in in sort of everything, but increasingly you know copper, for instance, is a very very you know key mineral used in um, everything from wind turbines to uh, you know to homes and wiring, and so we need lots of copper. But increasingly, we also need more of what are called these rare earth metals, and these are special metals that are a key part of the sort of high-tech economy. Oh. Think of your smartphone in your pocket, uh, electric vehicles which take cobalt and lithium to, to run the batteries in these cars. And so these minerals in particular are in high demand. All of the other developed economies are looking around and saying, hey, we need to find our own steady supply of these minerals if we want to you know, invest in these technologies. Uh the reason that this story really caught my eye is that you talk to a lot of these companies that are wanting to, uh, you know, engage more in undersea mining, and they said, yeah, this is not only environmentally safe, it could actually be more environmentally beneficial than the way we mine currently. Make their case for them. What, what are they, why do they think this is going to be totally fine? Well, this is a fascinating question. I mean, think of your Think of an again. Think of a mine on land, a terrestrial mine. You know, they're often not really the most environmentally friendly operations. It takes a lot of infrastructure to build a mine. You have to, you know, create this massive pit in the ground. You have to take the, the slag and put it somewhere else, where it often leaches chemicals into rivers. You have to have a, a big supply of water to run the mine. You have to have roads and and et cetera, et cetera. All these things. Well, these deep sea operations are often the footprint is much, much smaller, sometimes, you know, less than a square kilometer. And so the footprint itself is much smaller and it doesn't take as much infrastructure. It just takes technology to get go down there and get the stuff. So 
that's an argument in favor of deep sea mining. And so, you know, even a lot of environmentalists will tell you, hey, you know, that's a that's a fair point. But what people are also saying is, well, okay, even though it's a small footprint, you know, those impacts since they're underwater in the in the uh, benthic environment, those those impacts can be spread out much, much farther. And especially since we're learning so much more about these deep sea ecosystems right now and how they how they're connected. A lot of people are saying we should just, you know, tamp the brakes a little bit before rushing ahead. Yeah. And I actually want to get more into that because you spoke to a lot of scientists and environmentalists and some environmentalists who are scientists. Uh, and they that's one of the things they said is that it's it's not that there are these, you know, really fragile ecosystems that are down there. It's that we don't even know. There's just like this is such an unknown quantity. We don't even know what's down there. So we don't know what damage we might be doing. Our our biological knowledge of these deep sea ecosystems right now is is growing by, you know, an exponential rate, leaps and bounds. You know, you can accurately say that. We're discovering new species of fish, crustaceans, and because these organisms are so deep down in the water in these low oxygen environments, they're often very very old. You know, it takes hundreds of years in some cases to grow these organisms. So the recovery rates are very low. You know, um, I mean, there are literally paper sponges down, you know, on these deep sea floors that are 18,000 years old, you know, fish that are 150 years old, black coral that are thousands of years old. And so it's not the kind of thing where we can just go and sort of mine and say, well, if it doesn't recover, well, whoops, well, that compares to a terrestrial mine where the idea is that, you know, eventually these these environments can be. Uh, rehabilitated. They can be fixed. We're not so sure that that's really the case on the seafloor. But finally, let's talk about uh, the future here, because obviously this is moving ahead in some areas. Uh, In other areas, though, not really. Uh, Some countries are really taking to this and others are not. What's going on here? Why is there this disparity? Uh, You mentioned that the U.S. uh, US mining companies not really into deep sea mining. Well, again, the, so the cost question is yet to be sorted out. Um, in the U.S., there's been uh, a lot of concern that the investments, um, you know, might not pan out. And so it's still in the early stages. But a lot of international companies are running out to procure these leases for these uh, seabed, you know, plots. And the way that you do that is you can either you can either do this in your own country's exclusive economic zone, you know, 200 miles offshore. Mm-hmm. Or you can get permission to do it in someone else's EEZ, or you can do it in international waters, which is, you know, the vast majority of the ocean is in international waters. Sure. Here's the rub. The, to do that, you need to get a permit through uh, the what's called the International Seabed Authority, which the U.S. is not part of. So uh. we, we have this tendency to not sign these big international treaties that everyone else does. So we're shut out from that. All right. Well, that was Bloomberg Environment's Adam Allington. Thank you, Adam, for uh, being on the program. I was just getting going. <laughs> well, well, we'll have to have a sequel here uh, on uh, maybe mining in space. Director's cut. Yeah. 
their director's cut. Uh, for more of uh, Adam's reporting on mining in, in any sphere, visit our website at news.bloombergenvironment.com. That's news.bloombergenvironment.com. This episode of Parts for Billion was produced by myself with help from Jessica Coombs and Rachel Daigle. Our editor is Marissa Horn, and our audio engineer is Nicholas Anzalata. The music for Parts for Billion is A Message by Jazar. It was used under a Creative Commons attribution share-alike license. More information can be found at betterwithmusic.com. Your industry is unique. It faces its own challenges and risks that set it apart. That means choosing just any insurance company just won't cut it. At The Hartford, we take pride in knowing the ins and outs of your industry and help provide solutions that suit how you do business, from liability and property insurance to workers' comp and more. At The Hartford, we don't just talk about specialization, we live it. Learn how The Hartford can help your business at thehartford.com. Collaborate for a greener future at the Bloomberg Green Festival, a groundbreaking celebration of the thinkers, doers, and innovators leading the way. From design and culture to technology, science, and entertainment. Hear from inspirational speakers and immerse yourself in climate solutions, July 10th through 13th in Seattle. Title sponsor, Amazon. Official airline, Alaska Airlines. Get 20% off using promo code RADIO20 at BloombergLive.com slash Green Festival.